Welcome to the No Water Methodist Church Podcast, where we hope to encourage you in your spiritual journey so that you may be a blessing to your local church and to the world. I'm in the office with my two eldest children. My daughter is practicing typing, and my son is drawing on a tablet on a art creation program. And uh, it's Sunday, and this morning we baptized their new baby sister, Abigail. And so the podcast you're listening today is the section of the service from our time in the Word. And I do spend some time talking about baptism in there and uh, what I would consider to be a a robust biblical understanding of baptism. Um, So you're going to have to listen to figure out what that is. Um, But anyway, it was a wonderful service. We had a good crew. Uh, I really wish I could uh, record some of the audio, how good we were singing this morning. Man, it makes such a big difference. but, you know, in the setup, I think the, the thing I want to focus on, other than baptism, is just uh, go ahead and get your brain thinking about the importance of obedience. You know, we talked about saving faith and how uh, baptism is no replacement for saving faith, but also that faith is evidenced by obedience. And so um, be thinking on the importance of obedience as you receive the Word, and um, I just pray that as you, you spend time in this podcast that you're blessed with some clarity that maybe you needed, and um, a resolve for not just repentance, but walking in newness of life. So God bless you. Thank you for spending time with our church and our ministry, and uh, may God be glorified. It's at this point that we turn to the Word. I just want to give a brief report. Um, TJ and I have a lot of fun working in the office together, or at least I have fun, and he tolerates me. But um, I got to sit down and have a great interview with Gary Gibson this week. I don't know how many of you know him. He um, serves on the city commission as our treasurer. He, um, he grew up here and then moved away, served in the Navy all his life, and then has come back to, uh, to finish his days here. Um, he sits on the Lincoln School uh, Foundation. And I sat down with him and Melva Hill. Melva's worshipped with us several times. They talked about the old Lincoln School, which is the uh, segregated school before the days of integration here in Nowata. So much interesting history. So much uh, uh, wonderful stuff in the past. A lot to be thankful for. Um, And then uh, common identity in Christ. Uh, He worships over at First Baptist on the other side of the train tracks here. Him and Melva. And it was just a treasure. And uh, we're about to hear from Acts of the Apostles and Revelation, both of which talk about different nations being called into God's fold. And I think we often forget uh, a lot of the way that we worship is, is cultural, which means most people, uh, who, cultures and races kind of overlap. Not one-to-one, but that's why we find black churches and white churches and uh, different kinds of ethnic churches. But that's not the picture of the kingdom. The kingdom's picture is that we're all together. And uh, you just got to know that's my agenda as a pastor here. Um, I know that there aren't a lot of people of other races in Nowata, uh, but I'm very clear we all belong together. 
And I sure hope that if God reveals through the Holy Spirit that this church is not the one to bring us all together, that I'll have the integrity to step down and let someone else do it. But I, I just got to tell you, the fellowship I had with Gary and Melva was divine. It was a little piece of heaven. We didn't even catch that part on camera. We shut the cameras off and then we just uh, shared together. And it was, it was a wonderful blessing. So I just wanted to offer that as a thought as we're reading Acts and Revelation this morning, that our minds are thinking on the greatness of God's kingdom and how he's called all people to himself. So I'm going to shut up and I'd welcome our Acts reader to come forward. Good morning. Good morning. Our first reading for today comes from Acts of the Apostles, chapter 16, verses 9 through 15. And you can be found on page 1557 of your pew Bibles. Let's listen to the word of God. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. Therefore, loosing from Troas, we came with a straight course to Samothracia, and the next day to Neapolis, and from thence to Philippi, which is the chief city of that part of Macedonia, and a colony. And we were in that city abiding certain days. And on the Sabbath, we went out of the city by a riverside, where prayer was wont to be made. And we sat down, and spake unto the women which resorted thither. And a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple, of the city of Thyatira, which worshipped God, heard us, whose heart the Lord opened, that she attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul. And when she was baptized and her household, she besought us, saying, If ye have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide there. And she constrained us. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So Acts is a history um, of the early church and how it is that the church came to spread and flourish the way that it did. And there are many different stories about how it did this, and there are different messages, many of them repeated over and over. This section today... Um, it was interesting because, you know, uh, Paul's given a vision, right, of this Macedonian man that says, come over here, and then he listens to that vision, doesn't he? He goes from city to city, headed to and through Macedon, Macedonia, they called it, and was it a successful trip? It brought him to Lydia, at least. We get that, that, that conclusion here. Has anyone ever had this experience where for some reason, a person just comes to your mind and you go, I wonder if they know Jesus. I wonder if, I wonder what their relationship with the Lord is like. Has that ever happened to you before? A lot of us just kind of shut that down and we go, well, that's their business. It's not any business of mine. There was a, there was a lady earlier this week that I saw walking by the church and I never see her walking by the church. And then I saw that she followed the church on Facebook later that day. And I never do this, but I sent her a message and I said, I never do this, but I saw you outside the church and I saw that you, you like the church on Facebook. And if you would like to have a conversation, if you would like to just come in and see the church, I don't know, but uh, the, Lord, the Lord's told me to reach out to you. She's not here this morning. She, she wrote back, said, thank you. And then that was it, you know, 
Maybe that wasn't on her mind at all, but you know, that would really bother me if I didn't follow up on that inkling, you know? And I, I think a good pastor would just urge his people, if there's someone that comes to your mind every now and again and you're just wondering about them, just go ahead and do uh, the thing of reaching out and saying, hey, uh, do you belong to a, a Christian fellowship? Uh, do you know what the Christian faith is about? Start those conversations. I'm the one that's paid to do that. They expect it coming from me. But if they get it from you, it's received very differently. And usually they know it's because it's rooted in love, unless they've got issues, in which case it's not your problem. Um, the other thing I thought came out of this, um, let, let's, I, I put a slide on here for today. Do we have that? This is a quote from Spurgeon. Until God gives me the roll call of the elect, I'm going to preach the whosoever will gospel. That is the gospel we are to preach today. Um, there are some churches that like to pretend that they know who's saved and who's not, who's going to make it and who doesn't. But there's a reason why whosoever is the phrase out of Jesus' mouth. It's contingent upon obedience. Now, yes, we're going to hear about the, the Lamb's book of life in Revelation here in a minute. The notion is that everybody who is saved is written in the Lamb's book of life. But one of the threats that Jesus issues at the beginning of the book is, get in line or I will blot your name out of the book of life. The, the Christian call is not about getting saved and never worrying about it again, having some mountaintop experience. It's not about getting baptized. and never, Baptism is not what saves us. Um, uh, having a mountaintop experience and, and saying the sinner's prayer when you're 12, 13, 14 years old at camp, that is not what saves us. What saves us is faith in Jesus Christ and obedience to Jesus Christ. This is, this is clear throughout the Gospels. And so what Paul obeyed here, yeah, my dad is looking around going, our ceiling cracks here. There is nothing to be done about it. <laughs> There's somebody here for the first time today going, I knew the ceiling was going to fall in if I came to church today. <laughs> it never falls yet, but anyway. Um, so we don't get to decide who God is going to save. That's the main thing I'm talking about. Paul had his own idea of who needed to get visited. Remember, Acts begins with just the Jews being saved and brought to Jesus, and then all of a sudden the Holy Spirit directs Peter to the Gentiles, right? And then it's spilling out in different directions, and they don't get to decide who gets saved. They just get to follow God's prompting, go save them. Gets this vision, man in Macedonia, goes to Macedonia, and what do you know? Lydia's there. And Lydia, you know, I don't pretend to know the minds of people who were in the church back then and saying, oh, here's the kind of people we need to save. I just know God called them here. They went to this riverside, and what do you know? Lydia's there. And we like to preach about a God who shows favoritism or partiality. God has a preference for this people or that people. A lot of people see that Jesus looks out for the least of these, the poor, the widow, the orphan. Lydia is a woman of privilege. She sells purple dye and wool. Uh, what is it? Purple... She's a seller of purple, it says. Purple is a, a pigment that only the rich could afford. This is a well-to-do woman. Uh, you notice it doesn't even talk about her husband in here. Uh, she, is, she is a self-actualized woman in the ancient world. She's a woman of privilege, a woman of power, and she's the one that the Lord called. You notice that, right? God doesn't show preference for any one demographic of people. doesn't matter what Marxist you're listening to. God loves all for us. Christ died for all of us. And so he calls all of us. And you never know who he's going to call. You don't get to focus on, oh, I just want to have a biker church. I'm only going to minister to bikers. Oh, I'm just going to have a black church. I'm just going to minister to black people. There's just sinners 
that God is calling to be saved, and that's it. And then you get them together, and they're from different cultures and practices, and it's just messy. And there's some people who's got to have it their way or the highway. Well, guess what? Take the highway, because this is about God's people. This is about God's character. And it's supposed to be messy, and it's supposed to involve compromise. The other thing I wanted to focus on, verse 15, it says, And when she was baptized and her household, she besought us, saying, If you have judged me. I wanted to focus on the household part because the household is other people in her house. Now, it's clear that she came to faith in Christ Jesus, but it doesn't say anything about them. Why? Apparently, it doesn't matter. If it mattered, I think they would tell us. The reality is, anytime, there's another time in, in Acts of the Apostles, anytime the head of a household comes to faith in Christ Jesus, the whole household is baptized into the faith. Because the notion is that the head of the household is going to lead their household under the lordship of Christ Jesus. Baptism is not about a personal experience with Christ Jesus. It's about a formal status in relation to the church. How do you become a member of the church? How do you become initiated in Christ's body of the church? It's through the waters of baptism. So someone cannot really know Christ at all and be baptized into the church. Now, that's a problem. You don't want to just baptize people willy-nilly that don't know anything about Jesus. But what if it's a child that's born into a Christian household and is going to be raised in a daily knowledge and love of the Lord? What then? You think that's a good thing to do? I obviously do. This is, you know, the Jews, whenever, how did they initiate people into covenant with the Lord? Or men, what did they do? Circumcision. So this is essentially a spiritual circumcision. That's what baptism is meant to do. There's the old covenant through Moses. There's the new covenant through Christ Jesus. And you are initiated into that covenant relationship through the waters of baptism. And then for the rest of your life, you are a, a, an, an active and vital member of the body of Christ. There's not this point where you go, oh, gee, I've never been a Christian. Oh, gee, I need to make my faith real. There's just daily, you know, talk to my daughter, Susanna, and try and discern if her faith is any less mature than an adult. And I guarantee you, you're going to be humbled. She has been raised in the knowledge of and love of the Lord. And there are going to be different stages in her life where she comes and there's a new stage and it's amazing. But guess what? If you were baptized in your 20s, it was amazing. And you're 40 now, you're not the same as you were then. Your relationship, it's like a marriage. You know, Sarah Beth is not the same woman I married 20, how old were you? Who does it? It doesn't matter. We've changed We've changed, and you change in your walk with the Lord, and every now and again it's new and real, and that doesn't mean, oh, I need to get rebaptized. You've already been baptized. You just need to be faithful in this stage as you hopefully were in the last stage. But I got to reiterate, it's not baptism that saves. You know, there's some people who get real desperate about, oh, I've got to get my grandchild baptized. You know, if not, you know, they might. It's not, it's not a magical water that just makes them believers. You know, if, they, if they're brought up in an unbelieving household, there is nothing the waters of baptism can do for them. God may or may not send his Holy Spirit to save them, but there is nothing, you, there is no mystical power about baptism where just put them in the water and then maybe God will make them believers. That's not how it works. We, as, our, as the church, do our part to leverage things for the kingdom, and that means when children are brought up in believing households, initiate them into the community of faith. But when adults come and say, I just want to get baptized, don't ask me about my faith, don't tell me what I have to believe in, that's when I'm saying, that's not how this works. If you want to be initiated into the covenant community, let me tell you about the covenant. Let me tell you about the man who brought it to us. Let me tell you about the expectations placed on you. 
And then at that point, a lot of people go away. God wasn't calling them. They wanted something else. But if you are unbaptized and you want to be in a covenant relationship with Christ Jesus, marked with faith and obedience, then you are drawn to these waters. A lot of people want to have that argument. Oh, someone can be saved and not be baptized, right? And I have to say, no. Any faith that doesn't lead you to the waters of baptism is not the faith of Jesus Christ. Any faith that does not lead you to care of the poor or to tithe to your church or to love your wife and honor her and respect her or raise your children up in the fear and knowledge of God. Any faith that doesn't result in any of those things is not the faith of Jesus Christ and you are not saved if you do not do those things. Likewise, if your faith in Jesus does not lead you to baptism, it's not the faith of Jesus. It's some other faith you've gotten. So now that I've equally offended everybody, you all ready to move on? Psalm 67 is on page 791 of your hymnal. Um, Sarah Beth, play that intro. I'll sing it alone once, and then y'all sing it with me, and then we'll, we'll read responsively. All people be glad and sing for joy. Declare God's glory in every land. All right, she's going to do that intro. Come in with me. We'll sing together, and then we'll read. All people be glad and sing for joy. Declare God's glory in every land. O God, be gracious to us and bless us and make your face to shine upon us. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity, and God the nations upon earth. All people be glad and sing for joy. peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. God has blessed us. All people be glad and sing for joy. Declare God's glory. So instead of preaching on this one, I'm going to offer you a series of questions, which if you get the answer right, we'll move along. And if you get them wrong, I'm going to preach at you for 30 minutes because you should know this stuff. Okay. Are you ready? Now, the faith of Jesus Christ, is it just for Americans or is it for all peoples among the, the earth? Oh, you guys just saved yourselves from a 30 minute sermon. Very good. Oh, people be glad and sing for joy. Declare God's glory in every land. You got to remember, you know, and I get tired of people who focus on this too much, but it's, it's worthy of saying at least once from the pulpit, you know Jesus was not a white guy, right? You know the disciples were not white guys. They, they would be considered Middle Eastern, Semitic. They were not black. They were not white. They were not Mexican, uh, Hispanic, uh, Asian. They're just right there in the Middle East 
looking like those people, okay? And from there, it went out to people who looked and talked very differently. And it's a faith that's taken root in almost every nation. And we're told explicitly throughout the gospel that whenever it has spread to every nation, all the nations will be saved. People from every nation will be found in the kingdom and they will all be together worshiping, singing, singing songs like this one we just sang. So that's what I'm thinking of as we're, we're reading this. And of course, let's just go ahead and turn to our revelation reading. We're gonna get a beatific vision of, of what this heavenly worship is like. Good morning. Today's third reading comes from the book of Revelation, chapter 21, verse 10, and verses 22 through 27. And in chapter 2, verse, and also in chapter 1, or ver, excuse me, chapter 21, verse 22, and in chapter 22, verses 2 through 5. I'm, I'm caught up. Listen, to, uh, you can find this on uh, page 1747 of your pew Bibles. Listen again to the word of the Lord. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and shewed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. And I saw no temple therein, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. And the city had no need of sun, neither of the moon, to shine in it, for the glory of God did lighten it. And the Lamb is the light thereof. And the nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it. And the kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor into it. And the gates of it shall not be shut at all by day, for there shall be no night there. And they shall bring the glory and honor of the nations into it. And there shall in no wise enter into anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. As he shewed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the midst of the street of it, and on either side of the river, was there the tree of life, which bare twelve manner of fruits, and yielded her fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. And they shall see his face, and his name shall be in their foreheads. And there shall be no night there, and they need no candle, neither light of the sun, for the Lord God giveth them light. And they shall reign forever and ever. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So is this a happy reading, angry reading, sad reading? Happy. I'm surprised it took you all this long. This is about as happy as the Bible gets here. Um, if you're looking for something happier, you're in the wrong place. There is nothing happier than this. I don't know what you even imagine if you imagine something happier than this. Uh, one of the things that John Wesley, you know... I, this is one of those things that I agree with both ways. If somebody says that the faith of Jesus Christ is not about happiness, I'm with you 100%. You know, C.S. Lewis said uh, the faith of Jesus Christ is not about happiness. I always knew that a bottle of port could make me about as happy as I'm capable of. No, faith is not about happiness. It's about holiness. But then the Wesleyan tradition is, is named for John Wesley, and he argued, well, holiness is 
happiness. You're not truly happy unless you're truly holy. And I go, well, I agree with that too. So I don't have a strong sermon on that one. I just think we have to think rightly about it. Do you think people in the kingdom, this future uh, glorified kingdom, do you think they're happy? I think they're in a state of, yes, complete blissful happiness. Um, you know, the things that stick out to me, I mean, all of it's amazing, is it not? I mean, there's, there's no need for the sun. There's no need for the light because the Lord is our light. The gates are open and that's, you know, we don't have gated cities anymore nowadays, but they had gates and cities to keep enemies away, right? Saying all the enemies have been killed, eliminated. There, there are no enemies. It's a, it's a realm of perfect shalom, peace. But the thing that sticks out to me, it's talking about these... Um, you know, the, uh, the central street and on each side, uh, so there's a river, and then on each side there's trees of life. On either side of the river was the tree of life, which bare twelve manner of fruits and yielded her fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for, does anybody remember? The healing of the nations. Isn't that quite a thing? And when it's talking about the nations, the, the Greek is ta ethne, it, it, it means all the races of people. Because the, the biblical authors knew, God knows this world is a place of conflict and destruction. Right now, we got a terrible conflict going on between Russia and Ukraine. And man, those people hate each other. Man, those people hate each other. But there's going to be Ukrainians and Russians in the kingdom. And they got these trees here to heal the anger between them. They're, they, they're not going to come to heaven with their grievances. Oh, oh, you guys did that, and I can't believe your ancestors. There's going to be none of that. They're going to be perfect reconciliation and healing. And then the other thing that stuck out to me this morning, it says in verse 5, all the humans that are in God's kingdom shall reign, R-E-I-G-N. That means be in charge alongside God. That was the original vision of God's creation. In the very beginning, at the beginning of Genesis, he created us not to be servants, but Jesus said, I call you not servants, I call you friends, right? He created us to inhabit the image of Christ Jesus and to be co-heirs with him, co-rulers with him. But in order to co-rule with Jesus in his perfect kingdom, are there demands placed upon us in our lives right now? Absolutely. And this is where American Christians get very confused because a lot of them have been taught, there is no requirement for me. I get to just have a feeling in my heart. And that is not the gospel. The gospel is expected conformity in all ways, in all aspects of your life to Christ Jesus. And the reason that's expected is because, well, do you want to be happy? You will not find any happiness outside of Jesus. You will find no happiness. You will find misery and damnation outside of Jesus. And we have our hearts that say, well, I really want this. I think I'd find happiness here. We need to have that self-denial to look in the Bible and say, uh, I don't see the desires of my heart there. Does Jesus ever call us to deny our hearts? That's another absolutely. Jesus tells uh, a parable, well, it's not really a parable. He says, if your hand causes you to sin, if there's a part of your body that it's a part of you, it's got your DNA, if it causes you to sin, what should you do to it? He says, cut it off. What about your eye? Eyes are really important. You know, you need both eyes for different things. What if your eye causes you to sin? Gouge it out. I, I always stick with the bird gouge because, man, is that gory. But that's what Jesus is, is digging at here. He says, if there's a part of you and, oh, I was born this way, oh, this is, this is part of me, that doesn't fly. Do you want eternal, blissful happiness in Christ Jesus, or do you want to go your own way? 
You want to do what's right in your own eyes. Anybody ever read Judges? Judges, it says several times, in those days there was no king in Israel. Everybody did what was right in their own eyes. Is Judges a happy book? It ends with a lady getting ravished and then cut into 12 pieces and sent to the corners of Israel. It's gory, it's nasty, and every chapter in between is God-awful. That's what happens when we follow our own hearts and do what's right in our own eyes. In those days, there was no king in Israel. question is, in our hearts, do we have a king? Do you have a king? Do you defer to a greater authority, or is the authority in your life your conscience? Do you listen to that Jiminy Cricket song? Oh, always let your conscience be your guide. That's on the PA system in hell 24-7. Always let your conscience be your guide. Do not trust that song. And I've already given the sermon on Frank Sinatra's I Did It My Way, so I'll, I'll spare you. But let me, let me end with this thought on this reading. In this, in this passage, I think we see healing and satisfaction. Would you agree with me? And I would say it is not right for us to expect to have healing and satisfaction in the hereafter if we're not seeking it here and now. Salvation is not just something off in the future, it's something grasped here and now. God has already saved us, and that means our lives need to be marked by happiness in Christ Jesus and forgiveness and reconciliation for our enemies. And if you're thinking soberly, you, you know there's a lot of scripture about that. So let, let me just point that you to that. If you want to be in this eternal kingdom, I already preached hard on self-denial, but I want to preach hard on being satisfied in Christ Jesus. If you're dissatisfied in other ways, that, that, that means that you're not focusing enough on Jesus. There are some itches that we just can't scratch, and that's okay. Because the number one thing is taken care of. It's Christ Jesus, and he is enough. I think that would be good for us to say together. Can you say, he is enough? He is enough. Now, we have rebellious hearts that sometimes make us dissatisfied. But we need to name that for what it is. It's not okay. We need to take our satisfaction in Christ. Amen? Our final reading today comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verses 23 through 29, which you can find on page 1514 of your pew Bibles. Listen again to the word of God. Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words. And my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. He that loveth me not... Keepeth not my sayings. And the word which ye hear is not mine, but the Father's which sent me. These things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let your heart not be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Ye have heard how I said unto you, I go away and come again unto you. If you loved me, ye would rejoice, because I said, I go unto the Father. For my Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it come to pass that when it is come to pass, ye might believe. This is the word of the Lord. Verse 23, we, we glossed over it. Well, we went pretty fast, but it's a pretty important phrase. If a man love me, and you better believe he includes women in this too, if a person love me, what do they do? 
obey my words, obey my teaching. Uh, he will keep my words, he says. Uh, I have a, a slide, that, another quote that I like. This is from C.S. Lewis. Obedience isn't legalism. It's a symptom of salvation. So obedience means he's, he's told you and you do it. He says, do these things and you do it. And he says, don't do these things and you don't do the things. And is that because someone is so legalistic and they're just a Pharisee and they just look at the Bible like it's a bunch of rules that they need to just check off their little checklist and they, they miss the forest for the trees? Is that why people obey Jesus? No. That's a hateful, dismissive way to deal with people who actually are obedient. You just go, oh, for me, it's about the spirit and the love and you're just missing all that. For you, it's a bunch of rules. No. I mean, how's that going to work with my wife if, if I'm trying to... to step out on her with another woman and she's going, Jeffrey, this is one of the rules of our marriage. And I'm going, what's with these rules? I just, I love you. Isn't my love enough for you? You're going to make it about all these rules. How's that going to work out for me, ladies? Not good. And for some reason we can think that we do that with, with Jesus. Jesus told us do this, don't do these. We go, but I really want to do them. And Jesus, you'll love me anyway. Right. And he's going, no, actually he's saying, yes, I'll love you, but you're not going to have any place with me in my kingdom. I mean, he says it flat out at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, right? There are people coming to him saying, Lord, Lord, did we not cast out demons in your names and prophesy in your name and, and do all kinds of good works in your name? He says, truly, I do not know you. Get away from me, you evildoers. I think Jesus told that story for a reason. It's because we have these selfish hearts that try and make our sin okay with Jesus, and it's not. We need obedient hearts. We need that symptom of salvation. We usually have that word symptom as like a bad thing. You have a disease, right? Let's just, let's just roll with that. If the Holy Spirit has infected you, you will be obedient to Christ as known in the scriptures. If you have a rebellious heart, it's because the Holy Spirit is not in you. He has not testified to you or you have rejected him. It's just not there. Now, does that mean that I should just give up and just go, well, I guess God hates me? No. Pray that the Lord would send the Holy Spirit to you. Jesus could not be any more clear in the Gospel of Luke. We were talking about this a couple weeks ago. He says, pray for the Holy Spirit. God will give you the Holy Spirit. The problem is not with people who don't have the Holy Spirit and pray for the Holy Spirit. The problem is with people who don't have the Holy Spirit and think that they do. And they say that they do. And they say, you can listen to me. You can, uh, you can follow me in my footsteps and I'll lead you to Jesus when actually they're leading you to hell. And they don't have that discernment and we don't have that discernment because we're not reading our Bibles. The Bible was given as a tool of, of discernment. If something doesn't fit with the Bible, guess what? It's not of God. Here it says, The Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance. Well, what if someone has this amazing relationship with the Holy Spirit and they say, Oh man, I just, I spent all this time praying and God, he's just shown me all these things, but they're not obedient to Jesus. What then? They're not holy. They're not, they don't... They're having fellowship with demons. It's demonic. I'm not going to say they're, they're lying. They're not lying. They're having fellowship with some spirit. It's just not the Holy Spirit. It's a demon. And if we don't have the discernment to see that, we will be led astray. Anybody ever been led astray before? Is it because you're just so stupid? No, we look at it like it's a sin to be fooled by something. It's not a sin to be fooled. It's a sin to refuse to see the truth when it's shown you. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He reveals himself to us. It's for us to eventually go, you know what? I don't know what I'm doing. I'm going to follow Jesus. He is the Lord of my life. I'm not the Lord of my life. That's what repentance is. 
But if we're too prideful and we go, well, I've got this real strong feeling in my heart and I had a spiritual experience about it, so it must be right, then you're not of the flock of Christ. You're a rebel and you'll be treated that way on the day of the Lord. So let that be a warning. Uh, Every Sunday I preach this message of repentance and I feel comfortable in that because, heck, Jesus preached that all the time, didn't he? And we might be prideful and go, man, I've been a Christian all my life. I don't need to repent now, do I? Every day. Jesus said, whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. And it is that simple. If you've gotten tired of it, pray for a renewal. If you never did it right, today is the day. But it's time to baptize a baby into the Christian community. Are you all ready?